Got 20 minutes? Then you have time for a Bible study. Jesus, name above all names, I worship you. Jesus, you're worthy to be praised. I worship you. Welcome to another episode of 20-Minute Bible Studies. Romans 10.17 says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Over the next 20 minutes, you're going to hear an important message directly from God's Word and have your faith and knowledge increased. All you have to do is listen. Now, here are your teachers. Hi, everyone. I'm Andy Baylog. And this is Jordan Pine. Welcome to another episode of 20-Minute Bible Studies. Many of us at one time might have read or heard about a difficult statement that our Lord Jesus Christ made when he said, how hard it is for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Well, today we will take a close look into this passage so we can better understand it and hopefully receive the answer to the question by those who were there that day and had asked Jesus, then who can be saved? Join us now as we listen to the Word of God. A reading from the Gospel of Luke. Peter said, Behold, we have left our homes and followed you. And he, meaning Jesus, said to them, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house, or wife, or brothers, or parents, or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, who will not receive many times as much at this time, and in the age to come, eternal life. That was Luke chapter 18, verses 28 to 30. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Once again, we will start our lesson by using what Jordan and I call the SPACE method. The word SPACE is just an acronym that we created that just reminds us to consider who the SP speaker is, who the A audience is, and what the C context of a Bible reading is before attempting an E explanation. So to start, if you have a red letter Bible, you will see these words are in red. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus is preaching different parables. He then speaks to a rich man about how he should live his life. Later in the chapter, Jesus speaks of his death and suffering. So there's no doubt the speaker here is Jesus Christ himself. As for the audience, we see three different groups mentioned in Luke chapter 18. The first group was most likely the multitudes that believed in him, enough to gather around and listen to his words. In Luke 18.15, it says, They were bringing even their babies to him so that he would touch them. But when the disciples saw it, they began rebuking them. So these were common people that exercised their faith by listening to Jesus and believing in him, enough to bring their children to him for divine blessing. But also notice that this verse distinguishes that faith group from the faithful disciples who were the students and daily followers of Jesus. Now, the second group is seen in verse 26, which reads, They who heard it said, 
then who can be saved? This verse follows Jesus's conversation with the rich young ruler who says to Jesus, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? This was an important topic that would have interested those who followed Jesus at the time and wanted to be more than saved. Very much like all of us today that are learning to be Jesus's disciples more than just believers. And then the third group is seen in verse 31, which reads, Then he took the twelve aside and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem. Now here we learn that Jesus is letting the twelve apostles know that he will be crucified and resurrected. Words which at that time even the twelve didn't understand yet. So, Andy, just to clarify, I understand the first group, and then the second group you're saying is like general disciples, whereas the third group is the 12, sort of called out of the call. Is, is that what it is? Yeah. So, what we see here, the audience, there's, there's three groups, right? And, you know, just to make it really quick, you've got the general assembly of people that are following Jesus because they believe him to be the Son of God. They believe that he can do miracles and they're following him to be the Messiah of Israel. Then you've got the disciples who go the step further, who come up to the Sermon on the Mount. They, they want to get closer to God. They want to learn more. They want to learn about Jesus. And then, of course, you've got a, a smaller group within that circle, which were the 12 apostles. And these are the ones that Jesus specifically spoke to about his death, burial, and resurrection. Okay, got it. As for the context of today's verses, let's start by looking at the phrase in verse 30, the age to come, eternal life. As many of our longtime listeners have already learned, this phrase is specifically pointing to a future time period or age. And that time period is the post-rapture period and thousand-year reign of our Lord Jesus Christ on and over the earth. Now, people get confused about the words eternal life, and they think it's speaking of our everlasting life in heaven. But the word eternal here literally means age-lasting in the Greek, not everlasting. Our Lord is teaching us to focus on the age to come, quote-unquote, and, quote, age-lasting life. That is, life in the kingdom age. The phrase in context supports this interpretation because Jesus Christ was teaching his disciples, and by extension those of us reading today who are striving to be his disciples, to offer their lives, to offer our lives, as a living sacrifice. In other words, he was teaching them and us that dying in this life was required to live in the next life, or dying to this life, more accurately, was required to live in the next life. And what a life that can be. You know, faithful disciples will be rewarded by becoming, quote, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, as the Apostle Paul put it in Romans 8, 17. You know, fellow heirs with him during his thousand-year reign. That's right, Jordan. So now that we know who the speaker is, who the audience is, and what the context is, let's get into our explanation. We'll start by making a couple of key points. Now, according to scripture, we all know that a Christian cannot work their way into heaven. Therefore, no man can leave their wife, children, or house in order to get saved, because that would be works. The Bible teaches us in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, that, quote, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It is not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So there we have it. We cannot be saved through our works. Very important key. Yeah, of course not. So 
in that sense, Jesus must be speaking about something else entirely here. And that is that our spiritually led works will earn the reward of inheritance we spoke about earlier. Entrance into the millennial or thousand-year kingdom of heaven is different than salvation by grace. This is the key point. To be crystal clear, everlasting life in heaven with God the Father is by faith and not by works. Salvation is in Jesus Christ alone, as all believers understand from reading John 3.16. However, age-lasting life, translated as eternal life in English Bibles, is speaking of kingdom-age life, and that salvation into the kingdom is earned through the faithful works of the believer, allowing the Holy Spirit to work through him or her. Right, Jordan. This is often where people who don't understand this truth stumble into the mistake of believing that once someone is saved by grace, then they have to maintain good works to keep it. But that just doesn't fit into the mystery of this doctrine. And if misunderstood, it definitely causes denominational divisions and confusion, both of which God is not the author of. No, for our salvation, which is by faith alone, there's no works required. Again, in John 3.16, the words plus getting baptized or thou must serve in church don't even exist, right? We don't see that. And those are works, spiritually led works, but they're works. Of course, getting water baptized and serving in church are very important for us to glorify God with, and they ultimately lead to rewards in heaven. You know, they have their proper place after a person accepts Jesus Christ as their personal savior. Being water baptized and serving in church in some capacity should be a part of every Christian's life. They just aren't required for salvation. Yes, so essentially what Jesus is saying here is that if any Christian leaves their old life behind for the kingdom's sake, they will receive blessings in this life and the next life during the future thousand-year kingdom. With that in mind, the meaning of Matthew 6.19 becomes clear. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Working hard to lay up treasures here on earth is ultimately a fool's errand. One day, all of it will be worth nothing. You know, you can't take it with you, as the saying goes. Sure. It's worse than that for believers because the time you focused on earning it, whatever it was, instead of earning for God, is time that you will one day wish you could take back, you could have back. Remember, the kingdom of heaven is near. We're at the end of the church age or the age of grace. All of the wicked and wild things that we see and hear about in the world are a sign for us. It's the staging for the second coming of Jesus Christ. Well said, Jordan. Now, Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, that, quote, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, with his point in mind, we Christians should look out to the future and the dazzling reward that Christ has for those who give him a full commitment. Now, just a few verses later, Jesus warns the disciples in Matthew 6, 24, and it reads like this. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and end up despising the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Now we see here Jesus is bringing this up to warn us not to seek wealth first, or in other words, seek wealth before him. If we do, it can become a God or an idol to us. God understands, you know, we seek a lot of things during our lives, but 
Jesus says the first thing we need to seek is the kingdom, his kingdom. And by doing this, God will control all other things afterwards. Two verses earlier in Matthew 6, 22, Jesus gives us a helpful hint here. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. He's telling his disciples to focus on him and telling us the same thing. If we're looking first for the kingdom and all the things that God wants for us, that means we have focused our eyes clearly on him. But if we try to look at the world and Christ at the same time, we'll get confused, especially about what doctrine we should follow or what church we should attend. Therefore, seeking the kingdom first means focusing on Jesus, the ultimate source of light, so we'll never be in the dark and can avoid stumbling in our walk. Changing gears, Andy, I'd like to address a question that some of our listeners likely had during our scripture reading today. I know I had this question when I first heard these verses. In the first verse we heard, Luke 18, 28, Peter says, we have left our own homes and followed you. Why did he put it that way? What was the purpose of his question? Awesome question. Well, Jordan, my answer to that lies in the context of the rich young ruler's question for Jesus way back in verse 18. Remember, this young man asked Jesus what he must do, what he must do to inherit eternal life, which you explained earlier is actually the millennial kingdom, the age life, the thousand-year life. Now, for starters, let's look at the word inherit a little closer. I did a little research in the Greek lexicon, and the entry there is 2816, by the way, if you want to do your own study, and found this definition, which I believe really nails it. Here's the definition of inherit. And this is what it said, to receive the portion assigned to one, to receive an allotted portion, to receive as one's own or as a possession, to become a partaker of or to obtain. So very frequently in the Old Testament, the occupation of the land of Canaan by the Israelites. But as the Israelites, after taking possession of the land, were harassed almost perpetually by their hostile neighbors and even driven out of the country for a considerable period, it came to pass that the phrase was transferred to denote the tranquil and stable possession of the Holy Land, crowned with all divine blessings, an experience which pious Israelites were to expect under the Messiah. Hence, it became a formula denoting to partake of eternal salvation in the Messiah's kingdom. That's the definition of inherit. And that's the Greek lexicon entry 2816. So going back to this young man, notice that he did not ask how to be saved. That's not what he asked Jesus. He asked how to enter Jesus's kingdom. He wanted to know how to inherit it. And he most likely was curious of this since it's pretty obvious he himself inherited much land from his family members, which made him worldly rich, if you will. Remember, he's a young man. I'm sure he didn't work you know, just a few years and all of a sudden became this rich man that owned all this land. You know, he obtained that through inheritance. And, you know, on the, on the other shoe, he was asking Jesus, what must I do to also inherit your kingdom to be part of, you know, your inheritance? Yeah, it's an interesting point, Andy. You know, the, as you're pointing out, the Jews as a nation felt that they were already spiritually saved since they were the children of Abraham. You know, salvation is from the Jews, Jesus told the Samaritan woman at the well in John 4, 22. And he'd also been proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, according to Matthew 4, 23 and Matthew 9, 35. So, you know, the Jews understood this gospel was for them. 
and a proclamation that Christ and Messiah was close to establishing his kingdom and that the Messianic age was near was very interesting to them, as you pointed out. So those who trusted and followed Jesus were asking him how to partake in that Messianic age. So now we start to understand Peter's purpose in bringing up to Jesus the fact that the disciples had sacrificed so much, you know, given their given up their lives, basically, to faithfully follow him. He wanted to know if he and the others who had made the sacrifice were going to inherit the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus answers Peter and the rest of our scripture reading today, saying, There is no one who has left house or wife or brother or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times as much at this time and in the age to come eternal life. Again, we cannot inherit everlasting life because that was received by grace. But we can inherit age-lasting life during the thousand years of Christ's kingdom on earth if we earn it through spiritual works after we are saved. It's as simple as understanding that you have to be a member of a family before you can be considered an heir. An unsaved person is not in the family, so he or she can't inherit anything. However, once we are saved, we are children. And as Romans 8.17 puts it, If children, heirs also, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. Yeah, so just to make that clear, Jordan, for our listeners, now that we are saved, we definitely know that we are heirs of God the Father. But there's a condition in Romans 8.17 that says that we could also be heirs with Christ, who will be ruling and reigning on this earth for 1,000 years, according to Revelation if we choose to suffer with Jesus. In other words, say no to the world and yes to the kingdom of heaven and all the righteousness that's required in order to be able to be joint heirs with Christ. So, you know, there's a beautiful connection there. And by the way, that's an amazing verse, Jordan. So there is a condition to being an heir with Christ, which means sharing in his kingdom. We say, live your life always willing to suffer with Christ. Yes, there's the good chance the world will persecute us for our faith and, you know, maybe force us to suffer for being a Christian. And the world might not throw rocks at us so much anymore like they used to in the Old Testament or early, you know, Christians had to suffer, but they will hurl rocks of ridicule at us. So in a way, it's very similar. You know, this makes me think of what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verses 11 to 12 during the Sermon on the Mount. And it reads like this, blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great. I love those verses, Andy. So let's try to wrap up our study by looking at everything we learned today. Can you read Luke 18, 18 to 21 once more for our listeners? Sure. A ruler questioned Jesus, saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he said to Jesus, All these things I have kept from my youth. Thanks, Andy. And after saying these words, Jesus looked into the rich young ruler's soul and said, One thing you still lack, sell all that you possess and distribute it to the poor, and you shall have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. 
Jesus told Tim what he's telling us, which, which is this. We have to stop worshiping the God of possessions before we can truly worship the one true God and follow him. As you pointed out, the rich young ruler made a mistake. He thought that you know, because the kingdom was, was nigh, that that meant he was going to get more possessions. But it, it's really about shifting away from a focus on possessions and, and worshiping God and following him. The end of the story is that the rich young ruler went away sad or sorrowful because he had a lot of possessions and he didn't want to give them up. And then Jesus turns to his disciples and he taught them, by extension also teaching us, that it is incredibly difficult for the wealthy to enter the kingdom. Key point here, he did not say it's hard for the wealthy to enter heaven. He wasn't speaking of salvation again because people are saved for heaven by trust, simply trusting Jesus as Savior. He was speaking about entering the kingdom. Right, Jordan. Jesus is presenting an analogy, not just some story about a camel sliding through a narrow gate. No, the lesson for us is that we not put wealth before following Jesus and seeking his kingdom. Let's learn from this rich young ruler and not choose the wrong path. That goes for me, you, Jordan, and all of our listeners. If any of us are on a bad path where we're trying to earn money or, or you know, involved in some kind of sketchy way of earning money and it's taking over our lives and affecting our spiritual walk or our families, you know, hopefully this lesson will help us kind of introvertly look at ourselves and, and judge ourselves before we get judged at the Vima seat. Because look, we are blessed to have these verses in the Bible so we can apply these truths to our lives and continue making sacrifices for our Christianity. The young rich man counted this price too high. So let's remember to often ask ourselves, where do we store our treasures? And that, everybody, is our lesson. Before we go, don't forget, we want to answer your questions and hear your comments, even if you don't agree with what you heard today. If you ask a good question or make a good point, we may even put you on the show. Just give us a call 24-7. Our number is 908-271-6717. That's area code 908, then 271-6717. You can also send an email to info at MOTK.org. That's info at MOTK.org, not .com, .org. Speaking of which, you can also visit our website at that same address, www.MOTK.org. That's M-O-T-K as in Mysteries of the Kingdom, .org. On our site, you can listen to this lesson again, hear past lessons, or find out more about our ministry. Everyone can find 20 Minutes for God. And with these on-demand audio programs, Christians can listen to a Bible study whenever and wherever they like. If you'd like to participate in this ministry and receive the blessings that come from helping to spread God's word, please visit MOTK.org and click donate. We pledge that every cent you contribute will go directly toward recording and broadcasting more lessons like the one you heard today. Also, since our ministry is an official nonprofit registered with the government, your donation is also fully tax deductible. Once again, just visit the website and click donate. So until next time, we leave you with the words of the Apostle Paul. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you. 
Thanks for joining us for another 20-minute Bible study. Special thanks to the family of Pastor Gary T. Whipple. Our music was recorded by the Abundant Life Worship Center. Our sound editor is J.P. Eli. I'm Steve Zioli, and until next time, may the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Reserved Mysteries of the Kingdom Incorporated.